Well, God is so good to us. His goodness and his mercy endure forever. And uh, we just receive everything that you have for us today, Jesus. We receive the rain of your spirit. We receive that river. Last week during uh, worship, it was the second or third song I kind of started walking back here a little bit and I just, my eyes were kind of drawn up and I saw in the spirit this, this torrential downpour of rain and the rain was mixed, it was rain and fire which was interesting to me, I don't know, because the two seem not to be, they don't really belong together I guess, but there was, there was a torrential downpour, spiritual downpour of rain and fire and I, it's one of those things where you put it on the back burner and you don't think a whole lot more about it. And then Mark ended the service with this song. And it talks about the idea of the Holy Spirit raining down. The song is actually called Holy Spirit Rain Down. It was made popular by this group called Hillsong. It was back in the early 80s. It was an a, a old song. But it still means the same thing. See, these kids have found the river. If you, uh, if you wonder why they want to hang out there, because they found the river. Once you find the river, you don't want to move anywhere else. <laughs> you don't want to go anywhere else. You don't want to do anything else because you want to hang out in the river. I love it when God plays show and tell. <laughs> uh, here we go again. And then Shane gets up here and starts talking about the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covering the earth. As the waters cover the seabeds. When I'm back there and I'm studying. I'm literally looking up the verse while he's talking about it. <laughs> and then I'm sitting back here before service and I'm studying. See? Studying what it means to have a lack of water in the desert. And here comes Justin in a hurry back through that way where I was sitting. He says, you know where any water is? Is there any water back here? And I'm just like, all right, God. You know? But this is what the song says. It says, Holy Spirit, rain down, rain down. Oh, comforter and friend, come, we need your touch again. Do you ever wonder, you know, we find ourselves in this kind of desert experiences and you know, our tendency is to start asking questions like, why have you left me here to die, God? <laughs> Where are you in all of this? Why has this happened to me? I was in a place of abundance last week, and this week I'm in a dry desert. You ask these questions, why, 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 why? I'm convinced that God leads us into desert places just like he did with Jesus to teach us that there's rivers in the desert. So... The desert is our, literally our training ground. It's where the rubber meets the road. Because again, we talk about this all the time, but the idea of mountaintop experiences and wanting to live there all the time isn't reality in life. <laughs> That's not where the training takes place. And again, and again, God brings these times of refreshing that they're experiencing right now. These times of refreshing. But God, that's not how we grow. God leads us down into the valleys and up onto the mountaintops and down into the valleys and up onto the mountaintops and down into the valleys and up into the mountain. And this, during these valley experiences that we learn that this is our God. 
We learn that he's our provider. We have to come to a place where we have a sense that we don't have anything to find that he has everything. You hear that? These desert places in our lives, they can look, they come in many shapes and forms. Could be a place of hunger and thirst, just this general sad sense of a lack of provision could be physical and spiritual. We may have a sense that we are in a place of wandering aimlessly, seemingly going nowhere. A place of isolation, no companionship or support. A place of sorrow and defeat, no joy and victory. A place of pressure, no peace or relief. A place of hopelessness, no future prospects. It's all in all, it's just a hard place. And you think about a desert, you know, you think about dehydration, you think about heat stroke, you think about sandstorms, you think about all of these dangers, the animals, the scorpions, the snakes, just the general lack of water, lack of resources. But what's awesome about God is when we find ourselves in these places in life, he brings us into these places to teach us that he is the source, that he is the river. And that's how he brings us from infants to mature, grown adults in the kingdom. Is this ride that we're on of being torn down and being built up and being torn down and being built up and being torn down and being built up and being torn down and being built up, you know. And again, I'm convinced that he wants to produce in this, the church souls of iron. And it seems like just a weird thought because he also wants us very pliable and moldable. But yet he wants us strong in him and he wants us brave in him. He wants us courageous in him. He wants us to ride Everything that he's done and rely on him. But this rain, this rain was pouring. But our tendency is to cry out, why? You know, thank God we have a Savior that gives us streams in the desert. And I'm convinced what I saw when the rain was coming down, that God is watering the earth. God is preparing the earth. And you say, for what? For his glory to be released. So he's pouring down. He's pouring forth. And what does water do to ground? What does it do that makes it more and more and more fertile? Tons and tons of people, tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people are sitting in their homes right now somewhere in some state or some country or some place. And they're wondering what in the world is going on. This is a worldwide thing. I don't know if, you know, we get a full grip or full understanding of this. But this is a worldwide thing that's going on. Just the sense of everything that seems stable to folks is not so much stable anymore. But he is our savior. Holy Spirit, rain down, rain down. Let your power fall. Let your voice be heard. Come and change our hearts as we stand on your word. The Bible talks about the word of God being like rain. Being like rain. This is where this song jerked my heart. Holy Spirit, rain down, let your power fall, let your voice be heard. Rain down, rain down. Let your power fall. No eye is seen, no voice is heard. What God's going to do. No eye is seen and no ear is heard. It, God is going to do something new in the earth. And that's the only way I can say it, as straightforward as I can say it, is God's going to do something new in the earth. In Isaiah 43, and starting in verse 1, 
It says this, but now thus saith the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. He says, fear not. Now I want you to take this today and I want you to personalize this. And I, want, I know this was written thousands of years ago, but I want this to, for this is for us, for here, for now, for right, to, for today. But listen to how he's convincing them. I created you. I formed you. He said, fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. He's saying the same thing to you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Just ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As they were in the furnace and the, they came out and it says they didn't even smell like smoke. And the fire's purpose was to cleanse them while in the same respect the fire killed those outside the furnace. Isn't it interesting that fire can be a blessing and fire can be a curse and it's the same thing with water. Water can be a curse and water can be a blessing. If you've ever seen a tsunami or a mudslide or, you know, you see these videos of people up on high spots and they're looking down into villages and there goes a house and there goes six cars and there goes an apartment complex and there go, goes these buildings that were, they thought that they had strong foundations, but here they are and they're just, they're flowing down this river and the river is knocking out everything in its sight. Tsunamis. <laughs> Nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia, and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight. Listen to these words. You have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not. For I am with you. These are our words. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north. And we, we say this. We talk about this scripture. And we talk about this. And we put these words out there. He's give them up and to the south. Do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. It says, bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled who among them can declare this and show us former things, this question. Let them bring out their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is the truth. You are my witnesses, he says. <laughs> he says you are my witnesses and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. He said, listen to this. Listen to the confidence of God. Before me, there was no God formed. He's shooting straight here. Nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. Clear and plain. I have declared and I and saved. I have proclaimed and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am he. Listen to what he's saying. And there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who can reverse it? Ah, God. See, God's raising up an army in the earth. And it's a powerful, 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 powerful spiritual army. I work, and who's going to reverse it? There's a scripture that talks about in Psalms of why the nations rage and imagine a vain thing. They set up themselves against the Lord and his anointed and says literally God sits back and he laughs. <laughs> People think they're in control. They're not in control. 
This God is in control. This God that we serve has ultimate control. This God that spoke this universe into existence. Last night we studied, Eli and Kelly and I were reading through just the first chapter of Genesis. And just, you know, you go back and you look at these things and you've read them tons of times. But the idea that God is speaking into nothingness and creating everything. Then we start talking about the idea of, you know, people believing in evolution and people, and I'm like, you know, we're you know, there's too many things that have to exist at one time for, the, for evolution to exist. There's too many things in this universe that rely on each other. These planets that are spinning, we're suspended to nothingness. If even one of these planets is off one degree, everything goes flying off into space and chaos. This God holds everything in his hand. And he can surely provide water in our desert experiences. He can surely, as the Alpha and the Omega, the A and the Z, bring us from A to B to C to D to E to F, all the way to Z, all the way to the end. He is our sustenance. He is our source for everything. We're not going to rely on some other God. We're going to rely on him. You are my witnesses. I work and who's going to reverse it? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon. Babylon at this time they were an up and coming power. Do you realize when he's talking about these things, Isaiah had prophesied that the Israelites were going to be in bondage to the Babylonians for 70 years. It hasn't even happened yet. And Isaiah's talking about their deliverance already. It hasn't even happened. It's not like they're in the middle of it and things are starting to go their way. He's prophesied this years and years and years before. And he's already talking about their deliverance out of Babylon. Because God knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. We sit in a parade. There was a parade in Columbiana last night. And we watched car after car go by. People in the parade going by, floats going by, whatever's going by. God sees it from way up here, and he sees the beginning from the end. Our vision sees this and this and this and this and this, and he does it to protect us, but he knows the beginning from the end. The book of, the Re- book of Revelation has already been written, and righteousness wins. Good wins. And our cry out to people is, what team do you want to be on? I am God. I work and who's going to reverse it. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon. I will bring them all down as fugitives. All of these people coming against the church, all this chatter, all of this talk, God will bring them back as fugitives. Man, oh man, oh man, I'm fired up. The The Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships. Material, natural things that they think are holding them up out of the water. And they were relying on these things. But he cries out from heaven. He says, I will hold them in derision. I will cause confusion. I will cause frustration. I will cause chaos in the enemy's camp. And they will literally eat each other. Listen to me. God has the final say. All of this chatter, God has the last word.
rejoicing in their ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. He reminds them over and over and over again. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. He's talking about the Red Sea experience here. This is, that, that has already passed. And you know the story. God sends Moses to Pharaoh and he says, tell him it's time to let my people go. It's been 400 years and they have been indoctrinated into Egypt. Egypt, 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 year after year after year after year, the land of confusion. And they've been indoctrinated and many of them have forgotten the rituals and the sense of who God really is. 400 years and he says, go tell Pharaoh, it's time to let my people go. 400 years of slavery. And Pharaoh eventually agrees, and then he pulls them back, and he goes out, and plague after plague, ten plagues happen. And then finally, for the last time, he says, okay, you can go. And they start going, and what's he do? He starts to panic. I'm telling you right now that the enemy is in panic mode. I'm telling you right now that he knows his time is short and he is panicking. The same way Jesus came up on the man with the legion of demons and all the demons said, why have you come to torment us before the time? Their time is coming. Every demon in hell, their time is coming. So he releases them and what's he do? He sends 600 of his choice, he says, choice chariots. These people in Egypt, since they were this high, have been trained to battle. They have been trained as warriors. They have the most elite weapons, the most elite vehicles to get their battle accomplished. And he sends them after, the, after a bunch of farmers. And they find themselves at this impasse at the Red Sea. And can you imagine your heart pounding out of your chest? It's like a freight train coming with the hooves of these chariots and chariot wheels. And they're probably, these warriors are probably screaming and trying to intimidate. And these words are going forth and they find themselves at the Red Sea. Seemingly no way out. And God tells Moses to lift up his staff and lift up his hand. And he lifts up his staff and lifts up his hand. And the Israelites start to walk on dry ground. And it says at that point that God's breath, the wind of God, has taken the sea and split it in half. And it literally says they are walking on dry ground with a wall of water to their right and a wall of water to their left. And here they are walking through this space. Imagine, again, imagine yourself in this place. Walls of water, as high as you can see on both sides of you, and you're walking on dry ground. And then the Israelites decide to keep moving forward and keep moving forward. <laughs> and then they pass over, and the, the, the Egyptians are following them. And it literally says that God takes the wheels off the chariots. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
off the chariots of the Egyptians, the vehicle that they thought that they were going to destroy the Israelites with, he took the wheels off of it, and God's going to do the same thing on the earth. I'm telling you right now, these things that are coming against the church, the things that are coming against democracy, the things that are coming against the people of God, God is going to take the wheels off of it. And we may come to an impasse where we look on both sides and we see wilderness and we see people marching behind us and we see the sea in front of us. But he is the way maker. He's not going to bring us to a place where we are somehow self-sufficient. He is going to come bring us to a place where we have a sense we are empty and he's going to fill that place with himself. We will never be so, so independent of God that we just think we have it all. He's never going to bring us into that place. Pre-glory. <laughs> and then he tells Moses, put your hand up again. And here come these mountainous waves of water. And they come crashing down on the Egyptians. And it says, not one of them lived through it. This historian Josephus talks about the idea of just bodies being littered all over the banks of the Red Sea. God. God has the final say. And you know what he says? He said, they shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished like a wick. So what seems to be this insurmountable mountain, God goes. God takes the candle, dips it in the water, and guess what? The flame goes out. So this mountainous thing that they had built up in their heads, this army that's chasing them, this place of no way out, God says, it takes one word to quench the whole thing. See, we need to ride this wave with Jesus. <laughs> you say, how did the disciples have it in them to eventually be martyred, to be crucified upside down, to be boiled in hot oil? Oil, to be sawed in half, for all of these things to happen because they saw something. They experienced him and it created this crazy amount of courage and revelation to where they wanted to die for him. It's an army of God. They were extinguished like a wick. And on top of it, all of this, if this wasn't enough, he tells them, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. He's like, you remember what I did in the Red Sea? Forget about it. He's not telling them not to teach it to their children, but he's saying, if you dwell back in the Red Sea experience, you're going to miss this new thing that I'm going to do, and it's bigger than that. And he tells them this, don't consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. No ear has seen, no ear has heard what God has planned for the future of this world. And anything that you can dream up, it's bigger. There's a huge mountain called hope. climb this mountain man hope hope is the thing that gets you up out of bed in the morning hope is the thing that keeps you going hope is hope hope and guess what our hope is in this champion 
named Jesus, who conquered sin and death, conquered the grave. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now. Now it shall spring forth. See, God puts stuff in motion, and then the thing happens, and we see the thing when it happens, and we're like, whoa, but these things are in motion. This new thing is in motion. We may not have the reality or the totality of what all this is in, involves and what God is doing in the earth and where this thing ends up, but it's in motion. This machine is, is, is running it's turning. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? He says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What he's saying is this time I'm not leading you up, up through the sea like I did last time. He's talking about them being released from Babylon. He's talking about God's children being released from the, you know what Babylon means? The land of confusion. Welcome to it. <laughs> Welcome to the land of confusion. He says, I'm not going to do the same thing. He says, your release from Babylon is going to be different. I'm not going to lead you through the Red Sea this time. I'm going to lead you into a desert. I'm going to make water come up out of the middle of the desert. Isn't God good? God doesn't change, but he's spontaneous. Just when you think you have him figured out, he does it a new way. A lot of the moves of God that have happened in the last 150 years stalled because they made an idol out of the movement. A lot of these denominations that you'll see that have maybe come up into a dry place where it just seems like the Spirit of God isn't moving anymore, is because he left there. It's like, I'm changing. I, I, I'm doing something new. Come and flow with the new thing. It's, it's crazy because he's a never-changing God. But He says, I'm going to make a road. I'm going to do it new. I'm going to do it different. I'm going to make a road in the wilderness. I'm going to make rivers in the desert. Before I used to... to Use water to deliver you through the Red Sea, but this time I'm going to make it come up from the ground in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the, the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers and the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. The people that I have formed myself, he says, you're going to declare my praise. Listen, there's something about coming into a desert experience, experience and realizing God is there. And then that triggering worship in you, that triggering praise in you. But we have to sometimes walk into those seemingless dangerous places. And the place, listen, when the places where we look with our natural eye and we're like, God, but there's no water there. God, but there's scorpions there. God, but there's, it gets real hot, it gets real cold. But God, I don't feel like I have the resources. But God, but God, but God, but God. But he says, I'm in the middle of the desert. He could ask a question, where do you think that I'm not? 
You know, he told David, he told, you go into the depths of hell, I'm there. You go into the heights of heaven, you go, I'm there. You go as far south as you can, I'm there. West, east, I'm there. I'm there. So why do we get afraid of moving forward in the things that God is calling us? It's this doggone mind. Cast all those thoughts off. All those imaginations of what could happen or what couldn't happen or all this chatter that goes on in our brain. That's why he says receive the mind of Christ. In Philippians 3, and we're finishing up here, in verses 12 through 16, (laughs) this is Paul speaking. He says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but this thing I do, I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on, I'm going to press on, I'm going to press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. This calling. Brethren, he says, I don't count myself to have apprehended anything, but one thing I do, I'm going to forget those things which are behind. Because why? Because I'm going to reach forward to those things which are ahead. The past can be a destroyer. Dwelling in the past, dwelling in past bitterness, dwelling in past hurts, dwelling, 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 dwelling on something that we cannot change. Forget those things which are behind you and reach forward to those things which are ahead. Y'all can stand. The worshipers want to come up. He says, I'm going to press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says these words. We talked about maturity. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature. You got to hear this. As many as are mature. Do you know it takes maturity to forgive somebody that hurts you? We don't need to be like a child. You know how children can be. Oh, you did this to me. Oh, you did that to me. Oh, you did this to me. You know, that's childish. And God wants to bring the body of Christ into this place called maturity. Maturity does not come from running from desert experiences. It comes from running into them. Do you know after they got delivered from the Red Sea, they came to this place called Marah. And there was water there. But the water was bitter. And they were so frustrated. Do you you know that the Israelites, when they were standing in front of the Red Sea waters before they were delivered with the army in back of them and all the, the wilderness around them, do you realize they started complaining to Moses and saying, you brought us out here to die. Can you imagine, imagine Moses in all of this. At that point, they had gone from 70 people to two and a half million. They started with 70, now they're at two and a half million. So there's this complaining and murmuring, Moses, you brought us out here to die. And they were saying that we were better off, listen to this, we were better off in Egypt. Where at least we were secure, even though they were taskmasters, even though we were slaves, even though we weren't eating the best of the best, we would have rather been brought back there than to die here in front of the Red Sea. And all Moses does is listen to God and he puts up his hands. (laughs) And They're probably like, oh, no, you know. What did we just say? What did we just talk about? What did we just do? As many as are mature, 
when they're in Mara, the, the waters are bitter. In other words, they're toxic and they tan. You know what God told them to do? There is a tree off to the side of them. He told, listen to me, he told them, throw the tree in the water. There's something about the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ will turn bitterness into sweetness. He said, throw the tree in the water and the waters will be made sweet. Sometimes in our wilderness or desert experience, I'm wondering how many times God says, throw the cross at it. Because the cross is where the battle was won. The cross is where the battle is won and it's where the power of God is released. You know what Paul said? Paul said, I chose, I, chose, I was in front of you and he said, I chose to know one thing, Christ and him crucified. See, Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament had figured out that this cross of Jesus Christ and the fact that he died on it, was resurrected, he sits at the, sits at the right hand of the Father, is where the power lies. Conquering both sin and both death, all in one foul sweep. As many as more mature have this mind, and if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. It's interesting because after Jesus is baptized by John, God leads him into the wilderness, into the desert. So he has this mountaintop experience with John where he's baptized and the Spirit of God comes down and lands on him. And a voice comes out of heaven too and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And next thing the Holy Spirit is like, Jesus, follow me. They didn't go to Dairy Queen. They weren't going out to, they, he led Jesus into the desert. And you know how Jesus fought the enemy? It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. Everything the enemy tried to fire at Jesus, he said, it is written, it is written, and it is written. And you know what? The enemy was drowned in water again. Do you know that it says that demons like to go move into, in through dry places? They like to move in unforgiveness. They like to move through bitterness. They like to move through hate. They like to move through all of this natural, fleshly garbage. And they hate water. We say, Holy Spirit, rain down. Now my prayer is for us to receive this rain. The rain of the Spirit of God, this torrential downpour. It is raining. Bible calls him a fountain of living water, a well that never runs dry. This river is running in here today. This rain is falling in here today. There's water in here today. If you're thirsty, there's water in here today. I told that woman at the well, that Samaritan woman, if you knew the water that I was going to give you, you'd realize you'll never thirst again. These students that were up here have found the well. <laughs> Luckily, they found it early. <laughs> it took me till I was 26. We thank you, Jesus, for this river. We thank you for what you're going to do in this body in the coming days and weeks and months and years, how you're going to use this body to minister to the hurt, to the lost, to the dying, that we're going to be able to say there's a river 
that makes glad the city of God. <laughs> Jesus told them, I have food that you know not of. They're trying to get them to eat. I have food that you know not of. We have water. But we need to tell somebody about it. That we found the well. And his name is Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that this word would be sealed in your people, in the hearts of your people. We're going to need endurance, and it's going to come from him. We're going to need strength in these coming days. It's going to come from him. We're going to need bravery in these coming days. It's going to be from him. We're going to need to open our mouth in these coming days, and it's going to be him that's released. But realize this is the God that created it all. He's big, he's big, he's big, he's big, he's big, he's big. We may be small, but he's big. And we're going to rely on his bigness. We pray this in Jesus' name, and we seal these words in your people. And everybody says amen.